Well, this morning we talked about kind of an introduction to the doctrine of the church. We read and just talked about First Timothy three five or three fifteen, and uh, well, actually three fourteen through sixteen. Matthew sixteen eighteen, and we the other verses sixteen thirteen through nineteen actually. Then Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 4. And we talked about the importance of the church and us being the pillar and ground of the church and how important it is for us to know the Word of God, preserve it, and hand it down to others. This afternoon, I'd like to go a little further into the um, introduction, I guess, of the doctrines of the church. But also, I'd like to, in in relation to the song we just sang, I'd like to read the last two verses again. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds. And then verses 6 and 7. Weak at the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as, I, as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Till then I would thy love proclaim with every fleeting breath. And may the music of thy name... Refresh my soul and death. I hope that's something that we will all have in our lives. I know that I'm weak in the effort of my heart. And that I need to be stronger in being a teacher and handing things down to those younger than me. So therefore, I hope that I'll be able to do that. And I hope that each one of us will. And as we struggle with our weak efforts, may we continue to proclaim His love with every fleeting breath, and may the music of his name refresh our soul in death. I want to read to you as far as something that's a little bit unique about Baptist, and this is from uh, Brother Jimmy Barber's outline on the church, the doctrine of the church, and on page two of that outline toward the bottom of the page. It says, note what the government of the United States of America had to say about Baptists in 19 and 26. It is a distinct principle with Baptists that they acknowledge no human founder, recognize no human authority, and subscribe to no human creed. For all these things, Baptists of every name and order go back to the New Testament. And while no competent Baptist historian assumes to be able to trace a succession of Baptist churches through the ages, most of them are of one accord in believing that if we could secure the, the records, there would be found heroic groups of believers in every age who upheld with their testimonies and in many cases with their lives the great outstanding and distinctive principles of the Baptist churches of today. That was from the Bureau of Census for 1926 the United States Department of Commerce. Even though we, we, we read this morning in Matthew 16:18 that the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. So, as Baptists, we believe that God's church, it may have not have always been called Baptist, but that it's existed. The principles and the beliefs that we stand for have existed from the days that Christ set it up until today. And that's been believed for a long time, as we just read 
from the Bureau of Census for 1926. But more and more people want to distort that belief. They don't want to recognize us as being able, as being part of the church as Christ originally set it up. Because most churches have made many changes in the way that they worship over the years, and we have pretty well stayed with that which is recorded in the New Testament by the apostles, by Christ himself. So those things are important for us, even though we are not all historians and our people have not been. And I think it might be worthy to note that God's people throughout history, the Israelite nation, was considered just a remnant of people. But God's people throughout history have not always been a real huge number. And yet, compared to a lot of things, you know, we know that God's, all of God's people do amount to a lot of, a lot of folks over the years. Uh, it's a multitude that we would not be able to count. But we also know that the Scriptures teach us that He didn't choose many that are mighty and great, particularly in this world. The characteristics of God's people are more of humility and of loving and honoring God. So that history may not be traceable as a lot of people might like to see but we are not worshiping God just with our minds or intellect, but we trust that we've been born of the Holy Spirit and we worship Him in spirit and truth and we believe His Word as He has recorded it. And we cry in our worship services. And I think most people will find that they, if they study it and look into it and observe it, that our worship services are patterned after the church as it was set up in the New Testament and very strongly keeps those patterns. Now, in, let's see, I would like to just say about the church that comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which I'm sure all of you know, which means call out or forth. But it, it also, in almost every case in the New Testament, most of them, it don't mean just call out. It means a called out congregation, an assembly. The Greek word ekklesia, I'm sure that, well, if we go by, I'll just read this from Brother Barber's outline on page 5 in B. It says, properly, it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly among the Greeks it has meant this and so been used since 423 B.C. There is references here, other references here that you can see off of his outline by going on to the website at Covenant uh, Primitive Baptist Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee and then looking after you get on the website look under the doctrines of the church. These things, as we said this morning, are very important for us to keep and to pass down. I want to read to you now a summary that um, 
is on page 6 of his outlines under E on page 6. Summation of of his study on the ecclesia and the church as it's used in the New Testament. There's about six items here in this summary. The translators were not allowed to translate ecclesia by order from King James I. So it's used it's spoken of as church in here instead of perhaps assembly or congregation as you read in the New Testament because King James I was basically, I think, Roman Catholic but he was in the Church of England which was a state church and he did not want that particular thing changed by the translators. He wanted it to be read as church in the translation the English word church originated from the Greek word kargon, which means the Lord's or the house of the Lord. The lexicons give the meaning of ecclesia as assembly. Ecclesia had the meaning of assembly as far back as the time of 423 B.C. But some people don't, that perhaps today, still don't want to use that meaning, or they want to change that meaning. So, I don't. We don't see any purpose of trying to change that meaning, and then rewriting history as what is, as say people are doing even in the United States and trying to write some of the history of the United States and history of the world just to fit their particular philosophies or doctrines or patterns. Out of the 17 books in the New Testament where Ecclesia churches found without question. Ten always use the word to signify local congregation or congregations. Out of the 23 times the Lord used ecclesia without question, 22 times it meant a local congregation or congregations. In the New Testament, John always used it as a local congregation or congregations. James always used it as equating a local congregation. Luke always used it depicting a local congregation or congregations. Out of 62 times listed under Paul's usage, without question, 46 times it denotes a local congregation, and probably you could say 51 times without question as is in his notes here. And probably that relates to the fact that there's a, there becomes a pattern in the usage of words, and we would take a lot of times if there were, someone might say it's questionable in some place, but the interpretation of Scripture is to follow what is normal in the normal pattern, the proper interpretation of Scripture, or if there is something that is questionable. Only one of the two times in Hebrews is it questioned. Therefore, out of the 115 times ecclesia is used in the New Testament at most, only 17 times can it be questioned as to the meaning. In fact, the number would be smaller than 17. Those are some thoughts from his notes that you're welcome to study and research and try to prove wrong if you if you would like, but it's been based upon a lot of hard study. And in our thinking as as human beings, many people can make things sound smooth and if they have a PhD or doctor after their name, they can influence a lot of people. Just as they do in our public universities today, and telling students that there is no God. 
they told that, as I've mentioned to probably to you before, to one student in California one time, and he came home. He's a black student, and his dad was a black primitive Baptist minister, and this was probably back in the 60s. It's been several years ago. But he came home and he said, Dad, it looks like, he says, one of my professors says there is no God. So Dad turned to Psalm 14.1, and I believe again in Psalm 53.1, it says the same thing. He said, Son, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It sounds to me like you have a fool for a professor. So we do not need to let people with smooth talks and long degrees and highly educated people. God, in His words, says He chose very few of those kind of people, if I remember correctly. And I think we can find that if you need to find it. But we don't need to let them deceive us. And those that are born of the Spirit of God, we should not be phased in the slightest from our pressing into God's kingdom because of such talk that is not correct. We should not accept the rewriting of American history, and we should not send our children to be indoctrinated into all of that garbage that's in the public school system. And if they happen to attend some of those schools, we need to make sure of what they're learning and make sure that they are taught correctly at home. I hope the Lord will use this in some way to help us, what we've talked about today, to help us become more grounded in His Word and in His truth and that we will truly be the fill and ground of the truth because the world will not preserve God's truth. It's His church that's the fill and ground. And we as members of His church, we are the church. So it means that we need to study and know His Word and preserve His church, be enthusiastic, Some of us have different personalities and we don't always appear enthusiastic, but we need to be strong in our defending of God's Word and our serving Him and honoring Him. So may He bless us to do that. I'd like to pray now to that end. Father, we thank You for Your watch care over us. We thank You for the studies of faithful men. We thank You for faithful teachers and preserving Your Word and Your church from the time that it was set up, that the gates of hell have never prevailed against it. Keep us and help us. We are weak, but we know that you're strong. And we know that you can work through us and preserve us. And that you will preserve all your people. And that you will preserve your church for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name and amen.